0: Welcome. In today's psalm, which is Psalm 43, the author, who we think is perhaps King David once again, is in great difficulty and great trouble. And yet, in his despair, in his desperation, he finds hope in God. He writes in verse three, 3, O send out thy light and thy truth, Let them lead me, let me bring them unto thy holy hill, and to thy tabernacles. My name is Keith Simons, I'm a Bible teacher from England, and I present these talks on how to understand the King James Bible using the book of Psalms. So today we're turning, as I say, to Psalm 43. A lot of people think that Psalm 43 is just the ending of the previous psalm, Psalm 42, that the two of them together make up one psalm and that they should have never been separated into two psalms. The reason they think this is there is a sort of chorus in the, in Psalm 42. We see it at... Verse 5, and then at verse 11, and it's repeated once again at the end of Psalm 43, verse 5, Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hoping God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. There are other similarities as well between these two psalms. In a way that shouldn't surprise us. As I sometimes remark in these talks, the Psalms have been arranged in a very careful and deliberate order. And although in these talks we've followed a different order for these Psalms, we've selected them to fit in with what we think will be interesting for you, the listeners, to be studying week by week and to give you a variety in the subjects. Although we followed that different order, the order of the psalms is important. It shouldn't surprise us at all to see a link between one psalm and the previous one. So do I think Psalm 43 is really just part of Psalm 42? Well, I think that Psalm 43, in its own right, makes a beautiful and wonderful and important psalm. And I think that this psalm, is or should be the favourite psalm for many people. Let's read it as we always do, starting at verse 1 and looking at it word by word and verse by verse. There is no ancient title here, uh, but the facts in it do suggest that King David, as I say, was its author. Verse 1 begins, Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. Yes, once again, this is King David in trouble. His enemies, maybe it's Saul, maybe it's Absalom, maybe it's his foreign enemies, the Philistines, we don't know, but they're opposing him and he is in great danger, and so he appeals to God. The language is the language of a court of law. Judge me, he says, be my judge. That could mean decide about me, decide whether I am your humble person, the person who needs your help, or it could mean to judge my enemies. It could mean to act against my enemies. And that certainly is the meaning when he says, plead my cause against an ungodly nation. He's saying, God, take up my cause, take up the situation, fight my battles for me, my battles in law against this ungodly nation. The word ungodly could be translated unmerciful or unfaithful. These are people who've turned against David. They've turned against him in great cruelty. David prays against a nation. He could mean that Israel's armies are opposing him as they did uh, at the time of Saul or at the time of Absalom. He, He could be thinking about foreign enemies as the ungodly nation. We don't know, but we can see that cruel people and many cruel people are acting against him. People who aren't going to be kind to him, people who are determined to kill him. And David prays, God, judge me, judge between me and them. Stand on my side, O God, and help me against them. I'm too weak myself. I can't defend myself from a nation of enemies. Only you can defend me. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. So there's one particular man the leader of this ungodly nation, who is opposing David. The description would work equally well of King Saul or or of David's son Absalom. Deceitful and unjust. A man who is deceitful, he's false, he's fraudulent. He tells lies to try and get an advantage over me. An unjust man, an evil man. A man whose wicked schemes are against me. So David prays to God, O God, deliver me, rescue me, save me from his evil power. I depend on you, God. I need your help once again. Verse 2. And we see that David has known God's help in the past. He's trusted in God and found safety in God in the past but now the situation seems to have gone wrong. Verse two, David writes, or the author writes, "'For thou art the God of my strength. "'Why dost thou cast me off?' The God of my strength." The Hebrew word translated strength there means a refuge, a place of safety. God, you are the God who who defends my place of safety. You're the God to whom I go for a place of safety, to defend me from my enemies. Why dost thou cast me off? We could translate that. Why do you push me away? Why, in the place where I always go for safety, is there now no safety for me? Why have these troubles come against me when I am trusting in God, when my defence I know is in God. And then he adds to the description of his troubles in the second half of verse 2. Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? That word for mourning in the Hebrew means dark, in darkness. The root of the word refers to ash and the tradition to take ash, black ash, and to put it on your face and on your clothes at the time when you're in deep sadness. Why should I be in deep sadness? Why should I be in darkness? Because of an enemy who is your enemy, God's, as much as he's my enemy, he's opposing me. God, this should not be like this. You are the God in whom I find refuge, but I find no refuge, no place of safety now. You are the God who defends me from my enemies. But now I go mourning. I'm going in darkness. It's as if I cannot see God. It's as if it's like when a cloud covers the sun and a thick cloud at that so that in daytime it feels like darkness. Yet David hasn't lost his trust in God. In all these troubles, in all these these worries, in all this stress. It's causing David not to turn away from God, but to turn to God all the more. He knows he needs God. He knows he needs God's help. He knows that only God can rescue him in this situation. Verse 3 O oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. God, I need. Two guides to save me from this trouble. I need your light because I'm going around in darkness because of the oppression of the enemy. Remember what we said about verse two? And I need your truth because the people who are opposing me are deceitful and unjust. Verse one. They are telling lies, so I need your truth. They've put me in darkness, so I need your light. But what do the light and the truth represent in these verses? Well, I looked at a Jewish commentary while I was preparing this, and uh, they said that according to the traditions of the rabbis, the light means the Messiah, and the truth means Elijah, the prophet, the forerunner of the Messiah. And that makes sense to them, and It sort of makes sense to us, too, because didn't Jesus say, I am the light of the world? And when John the Baptist came, the Elijah, the forerunner to Christ, didn't he declare the truth about Christ? But if we're really to understand this, we've got to go away from these word pictures and we've got to look just simply at what David is saying. He says he needs light he needs to know the way he wants to go to God's holy hill so he has to see the way and if he can't see the way he's not going to get there so he needs God to shine his grace his mercy down upon him he needs God to make it possible for him to go as it is by himself in his own strength he can't see how he can ever get back to that place where he is seeking and worshipping God, where his close fellowship with God is resumed. No, he needs the light of God. He needs God to to clear away the blockage that the enemy has caused. Remember how we talked about a dark cloud covering the sun. That dark cloud has to be swept away and in the light that God gives David needs to go forward to get to the place where God has for him. And David needs God's truth, the truth of God's word, God's promises in his word, the promises that God gave by his prophets. Because it is God's faithfulness that he needs in his life. He needs God to act for him. He needs to, he is trusting in God once again, He needs to prove that God is trustworthy once again. That is why David needs God's light and God's truth. And with light and with truth, let them lead me. Now, in former times, if you wanted to go somewhere which you didn't know, uh, obviously you you didn't have a map and uh, you didn't have, what is it they use nowadays, sat-nav. I don't have sat-nav. Um, but uh, you didn't have these things, of course, in the times of the Bible. If you wanted to find a place, you would pay a person to act as your guide. You'd find a local person and you would pay them and you would say, I need to go to such and such a place, and they would lead you to that place. And David is using this sort of language, this sort of word picture. He says, God, your light and your truth are my guides. God, when you show me your favour, your light, and God, when you carry out your promises to me in faithfulness, those promises were spoken in truth, then they are going to lead me. They're going to lead me to the place where I need to be, the place where I want to be, the place where I have to be. And what is that place? Is it a place of wealth and prosperity that David deals with, or of authority and power and popularity? No, that's not the place David is dreaming of going to. We better read that second half of verse three again. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill, and to thy tabernacles. Oh, of course, David wants to be with his God. This enemy, his power, his cruelty, would have meant nothing if it hadn't separated David from God. If it hadn't driven David away from the house of God, from the tabernacle of God, from the sacred tent where God was present. David wouldn't have worried so much about his troubles. Was he not driven away from the land of Israel and even from the land of which God had chosen for his people to live in? No, David wanted above all, more than anything else, to be close to God. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. The holy hill, we so often read about that in the Psalms. The hill Zion, the hill where God's temple was built. Now, of course, God's temple was not built during David's life, although David was shown the place. So David seems here to be speaking in prophecy. He knew from the beginning of his rule that God's holy place should be in or near to Jerusalem. He arranged early in his rule to bring the Ark of the Covenant, the most sacred box, the most sacred object, that Israel possessed, it contained the Ten Commandments on stone. And he arranged to bring that into a special tent in Jerusalem until God revealed the site of the temple. And to thy tabernacles, well, there was a tabernacle which David knew the tent, the sacred tent that Moses had made. It hadn't yet found its final place. It was finally placed inside the temple during Solomon's rule, the rule of David's son. But David prays, let them bring me unto thy holy hill and thy tabernacles. And maybe David is seeing in prophecy this great building which Solomon, his son, would build. The sacred place for the ark to rest on the holy hill the place which God had appointed as a place of sacrifice for all Israel. Why does David say tabernacles when there was only one? Some people think he's describing the inner room and the outer room of the tabernacle. But maybe David is seeing the greatness of it, the future greatness of it. And in prophecy he's declaring yes as God's holy hill, And there's God's tabernacles. And I want God to lead me to that place. That place where he is is bringing Israel to. And he sees the joy of worshipping God in his holy place. Verse 4. Then will I go unto the altar of God. Unto God my exceeding joy. The altar of God. In front of thee. Tabernacle and later the temple, there was the altar, the place of sacrifice, the place before which Israel's people stood as the priests offered their animals in worship to God and as God accepted those animals to give the people a right relationship with God. The smoke from those animals ascended in the flames towards heaven And the people realised as they saw that smoke rise that God had accepted the offering and in the same way God was accepting their prayers. So when David says, then will I go to the altar of God, that's his word picture. He's praying to God and the prayers are accepted. He's close to God, as close as anyone who's not a priest can approach to the tabernacle or to the temple. And what joy David will know he will go unto God my exceeding joy in the Hebrew there's a couple of words representing the word for joy there and that's why it says my exceeding joy in the King James Bible my joy of joys we might say in English there was no joy that David knew that was greater than, a close relationship with God it was his his gladness to go and worship God. It was his gladness to be close to the holy place, the place which God had declared to be the place where he was present, the home of God, and there David would worship God, not just with thoughts, and not just with words, but worshipping God in spirit and in truth. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. We know early in David's life that the Holy Spirit would come upon David when he played the harp. And so David was glad to play the harp, and it was usual with the harp, because the harp is not like a trumpet, it only takes the hands. It was usual to sing with it, and David would sing psalms and praise God as he played upon the harp. And just as he's used two words for joy, he also uses at the end of this verse two words for God, O oh God, my God. Well, actually, not two different words, The same word, he repeats himself, God, my God, just like in the English. He's emphasising, he's rolling uh, the word God over his tongue, declaring in praise, Oh God, you are my God. I know that you're my God because you did defend me from my enemies. You did save me from that trouble. You did rescue me. Once it seemed as if you'd cast me off. Once it seemed as if I had to mourn in darkness because of the oppression of the enemy. But when God brings me to his holy hill, to his tabernacles, to his altar, then God will be my exceeding joy and on the harp I will praise him. O God, my God. But David declares all this. Yet still for him, it's a prayer for the future. God hasn't answered David's prayer, although David is sure that God will answer that prayer. God hasn't set David free from the oppression of these enemies yet. But David has every confidence in his God that God will send his light and truth and save David from even this enemy. So now he speaks to his soul, his inner life, deep inside himself. He knows that his soul is crying out and desperate. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me, hoping God? For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Why art thou cast down, O my soul. Why art thou cast down? Why art thou bowed down? Why are you bent down to the ground in desperation? It's a word picture. Of course, our our body bends down, not, not our soul, not our inner life. But he's saying, it's as if, it's as if my My soul is about to die. It's as if my soul has gone down to the ground. And then there's one thing that causes me to think that my soul hasn't died. It's disquieted within me. Why art thou disquieted within me? Disquieted. The Hebrew word means crying and roaring, making a loud sound. How can my soul be Be dead when it's making such a loud sound, David could say. But he doesn't. He says, Why? Why are you making a loud sound? Why are you mourning and crying and weeping within me? I'm not going to have my myself deep inside me, disturbed and upset by the actions of these cruel enemies. Because I have something better than that. I have hope. I have hope in God. I am trusting the living God to save me and to rescue me from my enemies. I know that the day will come when I shall yet praise him. I will worship God. I'll worship him at his holy place, his tabernacle, his altar. Because he... Is the health of my countenance and my God. The health of my countenance. The Hebrew word is Yeshua. Yes, that's right. The Hebrew form of the word in the name Jesus. But in the Old Testament, it's a word. It is usually translated something like salvation. God is the salvation of my countenance. And my God. Salvation means rescue, the place of safety. God is going to bring me to a place of safety. God is going to rescue me from these troubles, the health of my countenance. My countenance is literally my face in Hebrew. It's God who's going to bring salvation to me and right in front of me. I'm going to see the salvation of God and so I praise him. He is the health of my countenance, and he is my God. And David's repeated that phrase, my God, from from verse 4. And he's also said, even in his troubles, God is the God of my strength. Verse 2, even in these troubles, he never forgets, God is my God. And I think perhaps that if in our troubles we too remember that God is our God, our own God, then maybe we won't be too far from coming to the conclusion of joy and praise that David too came to. Please write to me. My email address is 333kjv at gmail.com. If you'd like to know about my books, which are available through Amazon, or if you'd just like to write to me and tell me where in the world you're listening to this podcast. If you're in the United States, a lot of people write from the United States. Let me know which state you're in. 333kjv at gmail.com. And now let me read you the whole of Psalm 43. Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. For thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? O Send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me, let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God why art thou cast down o my soul and why art thou disquieted within me hope in god for i shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my god